find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka. And I'm your co-host, Aaron. Bad Axe is brought to you by the Podmoth Media Network. Check out Podmoth for more great podcasts. As always, you can support the show and get months worth of bingeable content over at patreon.com backslash Pod. There is a link in our show notes and membership start at just $1. You can also support the show for free by leaving us a positive review and telling a friend about us. Now, on to today's case. Today, we are going to DeForest, Wisconsin in July 2021. Nice. For a very recent case that is also resolved. Oh. I know, right? Surprise. Hey, those are always awesome. I know. It's so rare that they're both recent and resolved. But today, I have this gift for all of us. I guess Wisconsin is not a place where a lot of crimes occur, or they just really are pumped about getting through court. There you go. They were One like of those two. They're like, we're going to hammer this out. We're going to mm-hmm. get this done. Let's mm-hmm. let's not waste any time. Or they're not doing COVID. I don't know. <laughs> they just didn't do it. Maybe both. I don't know. I'm not trying to disparage Wisconsin, but I know we have a backlog because of COVID. But a lot of places do. Yeah. That's a thing, as you all know. Windsor. I'm sorry, not Windsor. It's Windsor and DeForest are besties. They're like right next to each other. Also, I'm pretty sure DeForest stole part of Windsor, which I I learned on accident whilst researching this case. So it's like a Pawnee Eagleton situation? I think it might be, but I can't say for sure. But I was confused because it started to say Windsor at first, and then their address was in DeForest. And I was like, what is happening? And then I saw that apparently DeForest like annexed, I guess, part of Windsor, but Windsor wasn't chill about it. They weren't like cool so i don't i didn't know you could do that but i guess that that apparently happened but deforest and windsor are both villages in southern wisconsin deforest itself has fewer than eleven thousand residents it is a little bigger than windsor so maybe that's why it could like still part of it it is very close to madison wisconsin though and some of you might recognize the name madison because that is a bigger city in wisconsin there's a college there it's pretty cool Based on photos, DeForest, as you might expect, has a lot of trees, and it also seems to maybe have some streams, possibly. However, it is one of the places where people who live there need to put more pictures of their town on the internet. Yeah. Yeah, we want to see your towns. So, I know when we've done some cases before in, like, Pennsylvania and such, where I go to look up this place and there's like one picture and it's from 1985. And I'm like, how did y'all even get this picture? It's so old. Why is it just this one photo? Is that the only photo of your town? (laughs) I know it's not. I know you take pictures. Show us your beautiful town. Yes, we know it's beautiful. We know you went hiking. Where are these pictures? Yeah. The forest. I'm charging you. If you are out there, please take pictures of your town. Put them on the internet. That's tag right. them. Label them as DeForest. So that later on, if we do another DeForest case, we can look them up and be like, oh my gosh. Yeah. These are some really amazing trees. Exactly. We actually really like trees. We're not making fun of you. We are total hoes for trees. That's right. We love nature. Yeah, we're really about that. So we would love to see your trees. All right. That sounds like sexual. <laughs> I don't know why it does. I heard it too. When I don't Teresa. know why. I don't know why, but these are some sexy trees apparently. Everything's sexy today. I don't know. I painted a sexy teapot on accident today. I The spout was facing me, and it looked like a penis <laughs> in my painting at first. It doesn't now. It looks like a spout. But at first, I was like, in the shadow, because it had two light sources, it had like two round shadows that looked like boobs. And I was just like, am I painting a dick and boobs? Like, I don't, I'm not, not on purpose. Like, that wasn't the goal. But anyway, back to the forest. So the family we're talking about today 
are 50-year-old Bart and 53-year-old Krista Halderson. They lived in DeForest with their 23-year-old son, Chandler Halderson, in a home located at 4595 Oak Spring Circle. It's a really cute, split-level, four-bedroom, two-bathroom home with several trees in the front yard. It's a lot of trees. If you look at it from the road, according to Google Maps, there's like a whole bunch of trees. The backyard is huge, and it backs up onto a small lake with fish swimming in it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like goals for a lot of people in terms of houses. It's super cute. It's a really nice neighborhood, and you can just chill by this this waterway. It's like a whole lake. And this is where they were living as a family. They did have an older son who was not in the house. His name is Mitchell, but he wasn't living there anymore. He's, he's an adult and being an adult. Bart and Krista married on July 30th, 1994, after both earning bachelor's degrees from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Krista worked as an administrative assistant at a local car dealership called Zimbrick Automotive. Meanwhile, Bart worked as an accountant at an accounting firm called BDO USA. So you could say he had a full-time, full-time job, job as an accountant. As an accountant. As an accountant. That TikTok will never get old. Yeah, we're really obsessed with the accountant TikTok song. And we sing it way more than is appropriate. And anytime someone says full-time job, we both light up like Christmas trees and just look at each other. And if we can, we'll say, as an accountant. Usually at the same time, like dorks. Yeah, it's true. We're very dorky. (laughs) No one is impressed by this skill. Except for us. Except for us, yes. But he really did have a full-time job. And also, it reminded me of Parks and Recreation, which apparently we're getting off topic a lot today really fast. And I'm sorry about that. This is not normal for us. But on Parks and Recreation, if you recall, Ben temporarily goes to work for the accounting firm for accountants, you know? And this is where he works, except for he works at home for it. So I guess it's like probably a cool job. Yeah, sounds like it. But still, I was like, hey, he's an accountant at an accounting firm, like on <laughs> like on Parks and Rec. Together, Krista and Bart raised two sons named Mitchell and Chandler. And as I said before, Chandler still lived with them. They also had two dogs named Izzy and Rizzo. They were super active in their community, going to concerts, local football games. They also liked to hang out with their friends. Each of them had a ton of hobbies. With Bart golfing and working around the house and Krista doing crafts and cooking, they were super into their kids. According to everyone who knew Krista, she usually checked on her kids every single day, even though they were grown-ups. Even on Chandler, who, like, lived there. And she would make sure that both of her kids were happy and doing their stuff and just want to know what they were doing. So it was, like, normal for her to contact them every single day. Wow. She was just that invested. Bart and Krista built a happy life together and seemed to have a great family. Their son Mitchell had met the love of his life and Chandler was about to graduate from college. Chandler attended Madison Area Technical College and his future was looking bright. He was about to graduate from their Renewable Resources Engineering Program. It was a great degree and he already had an exciting job opportunity lined up. Chandler had a job opportunity in Florida. Oh, wow. Where he would be working at Elon Musk's SpaceX. It's a highly coveted position, and he got it. Well, that's really exciting, except I get from your tone of voice that something, some shenanigans are about to occur. They are. Also, I'm making a really crazy face right now, and everyone can't see it, but it's here. (laughs) Okay, so he had told his parents that, unfortunately, he would not be able to travel to Florida to work at SpaceX because he had had a severe head injury that resulted in a concussion. Now, this concussion will come up several times today. I do not know if he actually had a concussion. That is never made clear in any of the court documents. But it is perhaps true because apparently everyone in his life believed that he had a concussion. So maybe he did. But regardless, this is his reason why he cannot go to Florida yet. And also, he's about to graduate. In the meantime, Chandler was working at American Family Insurance, earning good wages and setting himself up for a nice life. I mean, he's a college student working for an insurance company. That in itself is a good job. So he's going on to even better jobs. Obviously, he must be succeeding, right? Sounds that way. 
But Chandler wasn't just a hard worker with a good job and a great degree on the horizon. He also had a great hobby slash side hustle. As it turns out, Chandler also participated on the Madison Police Department scuba dive team. Wow. He told his parents and friends that he did search and rescue scuba diving missions. Both his former roommate, Alex Gravatt, and his ex-girlfriend, Dakota Brown, recalled hearing these stories about the search and rescue missions that he did on the police department scuba dive team. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. That's crazy. Like, do they really do a lot of scuba diving in Wisconsin? Funny you should ask. Because as it turns out, unbeknownst to his parents and the people in his life who just accepted this, Madison Police Department does not have a scuba diving unit. <laughs> that tracks. Yeah, they don't. Also, I don't think 23-year-old random people would be invited to be on the scuba dive unit, that sounds like something you probably need to train for. I was going to say, it sounds like a special specialty. Yes, so that's just like part of the story, obviously. But yes, Madison Police Department does not have a scuba diving unit. Clearly, Chandler, though, here was a golden child, living an incredibly exciting and accomplished life. You might say it's almost unbelievable. As it turns out, though, Chandler's parents never had a reason to doubt his stories because, after all, he had at least a hundred emails between Madison Area Technical College and himself, and he also had a plethora of emails from American Family Insurance. You might call this evidence of a life well lived. If anyone ever had a question, he had these emails that he could show and say, look, I've been getting these emails. You can check them out. Everything's on the up and up. Look at my successful life. People describe Chandler as a normal kid. Just your normal average kid. Seemed pretty chill. And he really enjoyed playing video games. He wasn't the kind of kid that seemed like he was going to do anything really bad. But at the same time, you know, he didn't really seem like maybe he was as much of a golden child as he presented himself to be. But anytime you had a question for him, he had an answer for you right away. Still, something started to seem off to his parents, specifically his dad, because despite Chandler's amazing job and the fact that he still lived at home with them, Bart couldn't help but wonder why Chandler never had any money. After all, wasn't he making decent money at the insurance company? When, he, when Bart asked about this, Chandler said that he wasn't actually getting paid. And really? this was a technical problem. He was earning the money. The company just didn't pay him. So he was checking on that issue. And later on, conveniently, he actually received an email from someone at the company. And this person was named Tom Selznick. And Tom said that they were looking into this issue and make sure that it got fixed. Huh. That sounds like some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Chandler was also having problems with his school. His advisor wouldn't meet with him, and he couldn't get any of his transcripts. A school official named Daniel Spike canceled a Zoom call with him via email because a family member contracted COVID, and this Daniel guy was supposed to be doing some of this advising and helping him finish out this program. Later, another school official named Alyssa Brandt entered the picture, and through email, Bart asked her about the problems his son was having and suggested that she have a meeting to talk to Krista about them. Unfortunately, this meeting also couldn't happen because of another COVID diagnosis, but she would reschedule. Weirdly, she misspelled her name in that email, writing Brandt as B-R-A-N-T instead of Brandt B-R-A-N-D-T, which is how she had been spelling it and how her signature and email name spelled it. 
Chandler also tried setting up a meeting with a school counselor named Aaron Hoover, but he also had to miss, this time because of a work conflict. This one was canceled by Chandler, though. Later, Hoover took a week off to spend time with his family, which once again delayed this meeting. Now, this was getting a little aggressive, and Chandler was trying to show his dad copies of emails, and in some of them, he threatened these people's job. Like, when he was emailing Krista, he was like, if you want to keep your job, you better meet with me now. Because that's how things work, as you can imagine. Like, that's how college officials react. They're like, oh my gosh, if I'm going to keep my job, I better meet with this kid. I know, right? But regardless, these meetings were not happening. So, Bart decided that he was going to find out the truth about what was going on with his son and the college. Especially because... They had been paying for this college, so this seems like a red flag, right? Yep. So, Bart called the Madison Area Technical College to find out if his son really attended there, or if they could get this meeting, what was going on. And this one phone call would destroy the Halderson family. Because, on the other side of the line, a school official told Bart Halderson that Chandler wasn't a student there. Oh. Yes, he wasn't about to graduate with a degree in renewable resources engineering, which meant that he also wasn't about to go work for Elon Musk at SpaceX. And as I said before, he wasn't a scuba diver either. No, Chandler Halderson was just an elaborate liar, a lying, unemployed college dropout. He had attended school on and off from spring 2018 through fall 2020, never going full time. However, he'd either withdrawn from or failed most of his classes. Like, he literally enrolled for, like, five entire semesters and then would just drop. Damn. Or fail. He didn't really pass anything. Wow, that really sucks. Additionally, to cap all of this off, he actually owed the school $2,000. Damn. Yeah, on top of him not getting any credits. Yeah, he also owes them a bunch of money. Yes, and that's partially why he couldn't get any documents for the things he had actually done was because he owed them money and they will not give you any information if you owe them money. Yeah. After this phone call, Bart, who worked from home, texted Chandler and told him that he had spoken with the school. He sent that text at around 2 o'clock p.m., followed by a text that said, quote, I'm ready when you are, unquote implying that he wanted to talk to his son about it. Now, remember, everyone talks about how Bart and Krista are amazing parents. These are not, like, crazy, yell-at-you, throw-you-out-of-the-house parents. They are loving, care-about-their-children parents. So, he's genuinely trying to figure out what's going on with his son. However, all of these lies were about to be exposed in just the most horrible way that you can imagine. Because all activity on Bart's phone stopped at around 3 p.m. on Thursday, July 1st, 2021, which is the same day that he made that call to Madison Technical College. So some time passes. And then on July 7th, which is six, seven days later, Chandler went to the local police precinct with an alarming story. His parents, Bart and Krista, had not returned from a 4th of July weekend trip. According to Chandler, his parents went to their family cabin in White Lake, which is located in northern Wisconsin, and their plan was to work on a damaged water pump and a fire pit that had both been damaged when some kind of, like, flood happened. He said that he'd helped his parents pack on the night of July 1st, 2021, because he was quote-unquote bored. He told police that he'd woken up at 6.15 a.m. the next day on Friday, July 2nd, and his parents were already gone. He believed that two of their friends picked them up from the home to take them to the cabin at around 5 a.m. However, he didn't know which friends they'd gone to the cabin with. Because the cabin didn't have great cell service, he'd only heard from his parents one time during the weekend. His mother texted him on Sunday, July 4th, 2021 at around 11 o'clock a.m. She told him that they were planning to go to a 4th of July parade in White Lake that day. She also informed him that they would be home on Monday night or Tuesday morning. Unfortunately, 
they had never come home. So, on Wednesday, July 7th, Chandler became worried, and he decided to file a missing persons report. Officers checked out the Halderson home as part of taking this report, and something weird stood out to them. First of all, there were sections of flooring missing. That's always a red flag. Yes. Now, Chandler explained that they were doing some home remodeling, and this is why the floor was missing. But still, if you're a police officer and you're not an Unsolved Mysteries cop, you think to yourself, hmm, people are missing and flooring is gone. But this was actually not the only weird thing, because the officer who first entered the home said that he immediately noticed the outline of a half wall near the front door that someone had torn down. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's unclear to them if this really could be a home remodel or if this could have to do with why they're missing, but you know, they put a pit in it. That's very suspicious. While police were in the home, a deputy Nelson spotted a note on the kitchen counter from Chandler's mom. It said, quote, I hope you're doing okay, and if you need anything, contact a friend's name, unquote. The friend's name has been re- redacted from the court document. Later, the police talked to this friend and learned that Krista actually missed several days of work during this supposed trip to the cabin. And according to her friend and coworker, this was very, very out of character for Krista. She was super reliable and not the type to just not show up. So pretty much everyone at the car dealership where she worked was alarmed that she didn't come in and she didn't even call in or anything. Another coworker and friend, who I believe is actually her boss, whose initials are given as DJK, confirmed that Krista was actually scheduled to work on Friday, July 2nd, and Monday, July 5th. So it concerned him that she didn't at least call in. She always showed up with scheduled, so he thought this was super suspicious. He actually tried to call her multiple times on several days, but she never answered. On July 2nd, DJK and another friend who's named in court documents as J.M., decided to go to the Halderson home to check on Krista. He saw their vehicles there and then noticed something weird. While looking through the front door, he saw what he thought was a coffee table on its side. So he's like, what? Signs of a struggle. Yeah. They started knocking on the door and windows to see if someone inside would come to the door and eventually Chandler appeared soaking wet and wearing just a towel around his waist. He waved them around to the side of the home to a side door. As he let them inside, he was actually pulling on a t-shirt, and so they realized he must have gotten out of the shower right then. Both DJK and JM noticed that Chandler had gauze tape on one of his feet near his big toe. He told them that he hurt his foot while playing with his dog. He said he was throwing a a ball for the dog in the house, and while they were having this ball game, they had damaged the fireplace and that screen that was in the front of the fireplace that was made of glass had broken and he had stepped on the glass and had cut his foot. That was what he said happened to his foot. And he added without being prompted that there was blood everywhere in the house from this cut foot. Now, DJK and JM said they did not see any blood in the room where they were, but they also pointed out to police that they weren't looking for blood. Like, they weren't in there to search the house or anything. Yeah, yeah. But he did say that there's blood everywhere, almost like an explanation, I guess, for if they saw blood. Right. Later, Chandler contacted DJK because he was concerned to tell them that his parents told him that they would be gone, sorry, they would be home by Tuesday. And so this was supposed to put DJK's mind at ease because, you know, he's now he's believing they're on this trip, but he was still asking, like, why are the cars here? And then Chandler tells him, oh, well, they got picked up by a friend. But this seemed weird. Police also noticed when they were there that Bart and Krista's vehicles were still in the garage. But again, Chandler offered that explanation that their friends picked them up. And this was despite the fact that there was a neighbor that said that, she was very familiar with Bart and Krista's normal habits and they always took their own car up to the cabin and they had actually taken guests up before, but they had a normal practice of doing it in their car. So this kind of looks suspicious. Yeah. 
Officers asked Chandler if he drove the vehicles while his parents were gone, and he admitted that he had actually driven both vehicles. He said his parents gave him permission to use the vehicles because he did not have a car at the time. However, he said that he'd only gone to his girlfriend's house and to one other place, according to his version of events, and that's because he told police that he didn't drive much because he was suffering from the effects of a concussion. This is that same concussion. Right. Chandler's story hit a snag, though, pretty much immediately after police started looking into it because police were able to quickly determine that White Lake did not have a 4th of July parade on Sunday. The parade actually happened on Saturday, July 3rd. Whoops. Yeah, so if his parents were actually in White Lake, because remember, they couldn't text at the cabin, allegedly. So she would be texting from White Lake itself, like inside the city. So that makes it seem like if she were actually there, she would know the parade wasn't happening when she said it was. Like, that doesn't make sense. Right. So police are like, wow, that's an inconsistency. There might be something going on here. So, they are pretty sure that his parents did not go to this parade. Also, I want to mention that Mitchell, the other son, had actually gone and gotten the keys. There was, like, some extra cabin keys to go look at the cabin for his parents and was having no luck finding them. So, that also was happening in, like, the background of the story. Like, he's doing his own separate search, just trying to figure out where his parents are because, obviously, he loves them and he's trying to track them down. Investigators immediately started searching for the missing couple, and they went out to the cabin as well and did not find the couple there. Next, they interviewed the people who live next to the cabin because those people would have seen anyone coming and going. And they told police that the Haldersons were not at the cabin that weekend. As part of their search, police interviewed family, friends, and neighbors. And they even talked to Chandler a lot about what kind of paths like, what roadways would they take and try to go search the road, like, in case something happened to them? And he was giving really vague stories and seemed to have no idea where his parents would even go to go to this cabin, even though this was, like, a long-held family cabin. So this was also making police suspicious. Now, during these interviews, witnesses told police that they saw Chandler Halderson at a rural property in nearby Cottage Grove. This property belongs to Chandler's girlfriend's mom's girlfriend. I know that's a little complicated, but Chandler had a girlfriend, his girlfriend had a mom, and his mom also had a girlfriend, and that girlfriend is the one who owned the property. Right. Her initials are listed in court documents as C-A-L. On one occasion, shortly after his parents left, C-A-L spoke to Chandler, who was acting kind of weird. She saw him on her property, which is not abnormal because he was dating her, basically her stepdaughter. Yeah. But he was acting weird that day, and she asked him if he was okay, and he said no. He said that he wasn't okay, and that he was having trouble driving because he was, uh, but he thought he was okay to drive still. But his problem was that he was having trouble recognizing words and numbers. Now, she had some concerns for him, obviously, but he kept talking, and during that conversation, he asked if he could swim in the family pool. Based on descriptions, it sounds like this might be an above-ground pool because it has a pool cover. But regardless, this is a family pool, and it is covered, and it seems to be a nice pool that they're, you know, open to sharing with people when they come over. And CAL told him, yes, he could swim in the pool. And then she kind of walked off because he seemed like he was okay at that moment. However, when he came up the house to the house about an hour to an hour and a half later, CAL noticed that he was totally dry. After having said he was going to go swimming. So she's like, hmm, that's weird. But she also noticed that the pool cover hadn't been moved at all. Like, he hadn't gotten in the pool. So she was like, what was he doing? Like, he's been here for an hour, an hour and a half, like, out of sight. Nobody's been with him. What has he been up to? But she wasn't, like, that suspicious because she doesn't know that his parents are missing at this point. And she really has no reason to be suspicious. She knows this guy. I mean, he's dating her her stepdaughter, basically. C-A-L... And her girlfriend decided to go check on what Chandler was doing just in case, though. The couple drove around their property and spotted the blue Subaru Outback that one of his parents owned, parked next to their shed with the hatchback open. However, when they looked for Chandler, he was not in the shed. Shortly after this, though, the couple saw Chandler moving around the edge of the wood line before appearing to wash himself off in their pool. 
Now, this stood out as very odd behavior. Then, after the incident, the couple spotted vultures flying around on their property. Oh, no. Yeah, and C.A.L. is, like, used to living out in a rural area, and she knows exactly what birds look like. And she told police, like, yes, I know what a vulture is, and I freaking saw one. Yeah. Police decided to search this property on July 8th. Now, this is the day after Chandler has reported his parents missing, but about seven days after anyone has heard from them, because that was July 1st when they were last heard from. Unfortunately, though, this search led to an awful discovery that would change the course of the investigation, because while looking around the area where the couple saw Chandler, police located a small mound covered with branches and debris. This mound was partially concealing Bart's torso. Oh, no. Police realized that Bart's killer had dismembered his body. Man, I hate it when they do that. Oh, yeah. And, again, they had to confirm it was Bart, but they were suspecting it was him. And then they had to take him to the medical examiner's office. And later, they did confirm that this was Bart's torso. Near the site, officers also noticed a rusty oil tank with an opening, and inside this tank, they found scissors, a saw, and handles from a pair of bolt cutters. Dude. And some of these items had materials on them. The saw in particular appeared to have some kind of body fat on it. Ooh. Sorry for that, everyone. Ew. But that's not all they found, because along with Bart's body, authorities recovered an SKS rifle they believed was used in the murder. Later, a firearms expert at the Wisconsin State Crime Lab matched a bullet fragment recovered from the Halderson's basement to the gun found near Bart's body. That same day, police arrested Chandler Halderson for his parents' gruesome murder. When they arrested him, he pretty much immediately invoked his right to have an attorney. However, police say that he also kept making cryptic statements about wanting to tell them everything and them not knowing the whole story. And they were like, we can't talk to you. Like, you want a lawyer, like, as much as we want to, like, we can't talk to you. And he just kept being weird about it. At one point, the booking officer says that Chandler said, quote, I don't feel bad about what I did, unquote. Now, obviously, no one can prove that he said that. That's just what the police officer said. And he could be lying. We don't know. But if he is telling the truth, that's messed up. That's cold. Also, police documented old bruising on one of Chandler's upper arms, as well as on his lower legs, as though he'd been in a struggle. And they also saw that he had small scratches all over his lower legs that were consistent with briar patch scratches. And there were briars in the area where they had found this body. Right. Police had a lot of questions at this point. Where was Krista? And where was the rest of Bart? Like, they only have a torso here. This is really messed up. That is very messed up. After Chandler's arrest, a neighbor of the Haldersons brought police three ring videos from their doorbell. And in one of the videos, you can see Chandler asking them if the video showed just the street or his house. Oh, wow. He also asked on this video if police had seen the video and if they found anything. Dude. Yeah, so this is a huge red flag. Now, it's unclear if anything is actually on the Ring video, but the fact that he asked about it is super huge suspicious. red flag, yeah. Investigators continued searching for the missing couple, and on July 14th, 2021, they organized a big search on state land located near Sauk City. The reason why they were searching this land is because a witness had come forward saying that she saw Chandler in this area shortly after his parents' disappearance. This land is actually owned by the Department of Natural Resources, so it's a natural area. It's a lot of, you know, wilderness, kind of. During this search, they found more human remains, including parts of legs, parts of legs, and a foot. Later, experts identified them as belonging to Krista. After the discovery of the bodies, or parts of bodies, I should say, investigators were able to go back and check cell phone records to see if they could find any evidence of Chandler being in that area. This paid off because they were able to trace his phone pings to the area where he dumped his parents' remains. On July 28, 2021, investigators searched the Halderson's home and found a bevy of alarming evidence. One, they found a pair of shoes under the shelving unit in the basement 
and inside one of these shoes, they found a ball of foil. Inside the foil, they recovered ID cards belonging to both Bart and Krista, along with their cell phones. Damn. Now, keep in mind, Chandler had actually sent screenshots of his mom's text to him to people as proof that his mom communicated with him. But her cell phone is in a shoe in the house where he is located. So essentially, after people came looking for her, he texted himself from his mom's phone, which is messed up. That is very messed up. So messed up. Disturbingly, they recovered human bone fragments from the family fireplace. And it's great. As well as from the family's vacuum cleaner. Dude. Yes. This is getting twisted. I mean, it's this so is so messed up. This is beyond twisted. Oh, yeah. Honest. It's beyond twisted. And at this point, they realize with horror that after killing his parents, he had tried to burn their bodies in the fireplace. That is to get rid of them. Crazy. Yes. And also ineffective. Also, he dismembered the bodies, too. It was ineffective. Although, to be fair, he burned up a lot of them. They did find 200 bone fragments, some of which were cranial bones and teeth. And some of these bones showed chop marks from machete or axe. He actually allegedly... I shouldn't... Yeah, he allegedly used a bunch of different tools because... They also allege that he used a saw that they found that a a medical examiner person, a forensic uh, anthropologist testified was consistent with some of the wounds, and yet a machete or axe was used for others. And one of these bones was a wrist bone found in the fireplace, like he had chopped off a hand. And I need to give you a trigger warning or a barf warning for the next sentence. It's one sentence, although I'm kind of realizing, based on Aaron's horrific reactions over here, that maybe I should have given more trigger warnings. But this is, like, kind of gross, okay? So be prepared. Based on this evidence, authorities concluded that Chandler literally burned his heads, sorry, his parents' heads, in the fireplace. Dude. Like, he chopped off their heads and burned them. Goodness gracious. That's so messed up. It's that like... is so cold. Yeah. I mean, I believe that he told that, that cop that he didn't feel bad about what he did, because mm-hmm. how do you do something like who, that? Who does that? To anybody, to much anybody. less your own parents. I know, right? And, like, again, like, this was obviously very triggering for me, because I just lost my parents. His poor brother, Mitchell, like, I can't imagine what he's going through. That's just, who does that? Like, even to just a random person, even just to someone you don't even like, or even to someone who's a terrible person, you still don't do this. This is awful. Yeah. I just don't even know, like, how you get to this point in your life. It's just... mm -mm. It's unbelievable. Also, fun fact, that's how the the glass got broken on the fireplace, y'all. It wasn't a dog. It wasn't his dog and and a ball. It was this nonsense. This disgusting nonsense that he's doing here. So not only did they find all this, they also found DNA evidence on cutting tools located inside the home. And it was clear that something horrific went down in the Halderson home. But of course they started asking why, because everyone talked about how they were such good parents. Why would their son do this to them? It is so messed up. Well, authorities pieced together what happened and discovered what we all know is the most ridiculous motive ever. And it is the motive that Chandler lied. <laughs> like, he got caught lying about going to school and having a job and maybe working for SpaceX and working on this scuba dive thing. And when his father confronted him on July 1st, he decided that he would just kill him. And Chandler went and retrieved a gun that he had hidden in a desk in the family home. There was, like, a, there was like a desk in their basement and... He had had a friend who visited, and this friend was an army vet from Kansas named Andrew Smith. And as an army vet and gun collector, Andrew had some guns. And he met Chandler online gaming and decided that he would go visit up in Wisconsin for a couple of days and brought him a gift of this gun. Smith gave him an SKS rifle and 500 rounds of ammunition. He had only stayed with them for two days in June 2021, and this was actually just weeks before the murder. Now, Chandler did not tell his parents about the gun. And Andrew knew about this because Andrew told the police later that Bard and Krista weren't super jazzed up about guns. Like, they understood why people had them. They just weren't, like, gun people. And they didn't really want a gun in their house. So Chandler was hiding the gun from them and they were aware of this. Or he was aware of this, I should say. 
Now, Chandler retrieved this gun from the desk where he had hidden it and aimed the rifle at his father's back and fired one gunshot. And that single gunshot killed Bart Halderson. Damn. And as I alluded to before, when his father was dead, he decided to try to get rid of the body by dismembering it using his father's own tools. They were his dad's tools. Damn. Just messed up. But Chandler was not finished because he could not explain his father's absence or his father's death to his mother. So he decided he had to get rid of her too. So he waited until Krista came home from work a few hours later that day and he attacked and killed her too. Authorities are unsure of how Krista died because what they recovered of her remains did not convey a cause of death. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Today, we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. Hi, this is Daniel Segura, host of the Mustachioed Podcastio. You like mustaches? You like movies? You like sexy chinganos? Well, the Podcastio is the place for you. We are talking legendary mustaches from Charles Bronson to the Great Bird Reynolds to the OG Ice T. Find the Mustachioed Podcastio anywhere you listen to podcasts. That is M O U S T A S H I O D Podcastio. All they were able to conclude is that she died from homicidal violence. I mean, it's really messed up when mm-hmm. there's not enough left to determine a cause of, yeah. of death, like a proper mm-hmm. cause of death. Like, that's, that's really, up. that's sick, yeah. It seems like, based on how he killed his dad, cause they, because he, killed, he shot him in the back, it went into his torso, and that's the part they found. Yeah. It's probable that she was also shot but we don't know for sure anything could have happened and if you recall you know police felt like and witnesses said that there were things in the house that appeared to be in disarray maybe there was a struggle or maybe that was just from the disposal or maybe they really were doing some home renovations and that was just all a coincidence but regardless we do know that she died from homicidal violence, partially because of the fact that after he killed her, Chandler also dismembered her. Yeah. So nobody just, like, gets dismembered. Um, so that's bad. Now, as I said before, after dismembering his parents, Chandler drugged their body parts over to the family fireplace and tried to burn them, which does not work. And once he realized he couldn't burn all of it, he started disposing of them. And... I just wanted to say about the fireplace, though. This is literally, like, a cozy spot. Like, this is Wisconsin. And this fireplace is supposed to keep the family warm and cozy all winter. It's a place where you hang Christmas stockings. You, like, roast marshmallows and stuff. And he's doing this to it. Yeah. Like, that is just ridiculous. It's wrong. So, he decided to put these bodies outside. And he dumped some of the dismembered body parts along the Wisconsin River. And he discarded others at rural properties. Authorities believe that he actually used the time frame between the murders on July 1st and his missing persons report on July 7th to just go discard body pieces in random places around rural southern Wisconsin. What the hell? Yeah. Exactly. What the hell? Who does this? This has messed the hell up. Jesus. After his arrest, prosecutors charged Halderson with two counts each of first-degree intentional homicide, mutilating a corpse, hiding a corpse, and falsifying information about a missing person. If he was convicted, he would face life in prison as Wisconsin does not have the death penalty. And I was like, he looked out. Because if this crime had occurred in Texas, like, we don't support the death penalty, but I would be like, that's okay with me if they wanted to try to do that here. Because this is messed up. And in Texas, they would have for sure done that shit. Yeah, I, I could see Texas prosecutors oh my God. trying to go for the death penalty. Oh yeah, they would have done it so hard. Yeah. It would have been bad. I mean, so hard. So hard. Like, yeah, that's just such a gruesome, brutal crime. It's so gross. I, I don't even know. I can't imagine having to be on that jury. Yeah, I know they had evidence. to look at the evidence. Yeah. They had to look at pictures and all kinds of nonsense of this. Yeah, you need some therapy after that. For real. His attorney, Catherine Doral, asked the judge, I'm not kidding you, to set his bail at just $10,000. And she gave the reasons... That he didn't have a criminal record and was a lifelong resident of the state of Wisconsin. And, drumroll please, da 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 He participated in Boy Scouts and church groups. 
Well, he's basically innocent it, 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 with those with those list of activities. I yeah. mean, you can't do any wrong. I literally wrote, y'all know. <laughs> Seriously, I always hate that when they're like, oh, he went to church that one time. Or I mean, maybe he went every single day. It does not matter. People can be evil still. I'm Actually, I shouldn't say evil. I hate when people say that. Because no, people aren't evil or whatever. I don't think evil was involved in this. He just is a shitty pile of shit. And he needs to be in jail. I agree with you. However... The guy from Scale of Evil would disagree with you. I know, you're right. Although he wouldn't be that high on the list because don't you have to be like a torture murderer at the, at the top? He's, I mean, oh, yeah, you're right. According to the Scale of Evil guy, for those of you who haven't listened to all the episodes, <laughs> um, there's a show. What is that show called? It's, it's called like, Scale of Evil. No, it's not. It's oh, called Most like, Evil. Oh, Most Evil? Yeah, Most Evil. It's on Discovery+. Yeah. Plus. You can watch it and make fun of it with us. But there's this, like... The premise is that there's a psychologist guy who's developed a scale of evil, and it makes no sense. It's, like, completely subjective. It's just to be, like, now science can determine how evil someone is. But it's, like, completely subjective. And he explains it, and he's like, well, because this person was scarier than this person, I'm going to put them at 12. And I'm like, I don't think that's... That's not how science works, but okay. Yeah. The scale randomly has like 23 levels. There's no explanation yeah, there's no, for why it makes there's no sense. levels. And then he'll be like, well, this person only killed one person, but then they also like cut off their boobs. So they get a 12 and then this person killed three people, but didn't cut off their boobs. So he gets an 11. Like, it's like, that's like how it is. And then yeah. it's like, well, these people were sexually motivated, but these are people who were even more sexually motivated. And I'm like, I don't think that's science. Like, I'm pretty sure it's not y'all, but okay. Anyway, according to the scale of evil, though, I don't think Chandler would be nearly as high as he should be because he didn't kill like everybody. And, yeah. and also he did most of the gross parts after his parents were dead. Thankfully, that's they were true. able to scientifically confirm that using actual science and not any kind of shenanigans. <laughs> like an actual scientist figured this out for us. Yeah, well, that's, that they that's, were dead first. That's good. At least that's a yeah, small mercy. Small, small. It's a little bit. It's just a minuscule mercy, but it's there. Yeah. Dane County Circuit Court Commissioner Brian Osmus, who was in charge of setting the bail, listened to this ten thousand dollar argument, and I feel like he. I don't have evidence of this part, but I feel like he left. And he set Chandler Halderson's bond at $1 million. And he set the bail so high because he pointed out that Halderson had already hidden and destroyed evidence before police arrested him. So if he got out with just $10,000 bond, he could continue disposing of any evidence authorities had yet to recover. And this could include, for all we know, other body parts or murder weapons or whatever. And that can't be happening. And not only that, but he also lied so much to his parents and police that you can't trust that he would honor his word and come back to court because he's a freaking liar. Like, and he lies, he just lies to everybody. Yep. And he lies about everything. Like, and he's so quick to lie. Like, whenever he got asked about why his parents' cars were there, he had an answer immediately. Like, he's not even, like, thinking about these lies. So, you can't let him out. Like, he's going to lie some more. Chandler went to trial for killing his parents in January of 2022. Since it was going to be a long trial, lasting approximately three to four weeks, the court selected 18 jurors so there would be six backup jurors, which is nice. And also a good point because it was COVID times and, you know, everyone's got to worry about COVID. Yep. At one point, the trial actually had to be delayed a week because Chandler tested positive for COVID-19 and one of the jurors also tested positive at one point and had to be dismissed. Fortunately, again, they had those backups and someone was able to step in. At trial, the prosecution argued that Chandler's motive was a classic reason that kids murder their parents. He had spun a giant web of lies about his scholastic accomplishments, career, and his fictional role on a police scuba dive team. And when his parents started to pull out the threads and learn the truth, he felt like he had to do something about it, and he decided to kill them to avoid facing responsibility. Just a note, just in case you are a child or a young adult who's thinking about killing someone or your parents specifically about something this stupid, um, I know our listeners would never do that, but just in case you are that person Please do not do that shit. This is no big deal. His parents probably would not have cared for very long. Like, yeah, they would have been upset at first. They might have been like, how could you lie to us about this, Chandler? You need to get your shit together. 
But this is a, such a small thing in the, in your whole life. He's only 23. He's like barely a, an adult here. And he murdered his parents because he pretended to go to college and he didn't have a job. Yep. You can get a job. This is like a blip. I don't even know. Like, I don't even think they would have cared in a year. Like, if we're being honest. Especially with how much his parents, according to literally every single person, cared about him and were invested in his life. I just can't see a scenario where they would have been that mad. Yeah. And, like, I disappoint my parents all the time. And yet, have that I ever tried to murder them? No. I mean, it's hard me to, to say to that for me to say that since my mom has just passed, and I'm literally thinking about it like constantly. It's been, uh. but anyway, like it's just absurd to me that, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's it's a it's a bananas reaction. Yeah, don't do these things. Like I don't know. I just feel like every like like some of our episodes devolve into me like pleading with imaginary people that are definitely not listening, or maybe they are. Maybe they're trying to get tips. Like I'm going to murder even better than this guy who fucked up. Don't do it. Just don't. Like, just get a job. Yeah. yeah, if there's one lesson you take from this podcast, please let it be, don't murder yeah, people. Yeah, please don't murder. And also, as as we have mentioned on multiple occasions, if you don't kill people, no crimes, no, no bodies, and you don't have to dispose of them and do all this nasty shit. And he did all this nasty shit and still got arrested. Oh, yeah. So, boo. Now, the Army vet, Andrew Smith, testified at the trial and gave Chandler the gun used in the crime as a present and he offered photos of this gun exchange as evidence that he gifted the gun to him. And in the photos, you can see the gun's serial number, although I have written serial killer, so <laughs> points to me for that. Serial number and Chandler's ID to prove that the gun was going to him. And Smith told the court about hiding the gun because his parents didn't want it there. And Smith also told jurors that Chandler called him after he reported his parents missing and told him that they never came home from a trip, and he said Chandler sounded upset, but not hysterical. Prosecutors also presented the evidence of the bone fragments found in the fireplace, as well as two saws found at a property where authorities found Bart's torso. These are the things in that oil thing I told you about. These saws were tested by a forensic anthropologist named Christina Figueroa Soto, and she explained how the saws related to the murder saying that they were an alloy saw and a hacksaw. They are both consistent with cuts found on Bart and Chris's body, specifically Bart's torso and Chris's legs. Soto said, quote, I'm not going to be able to say, yes, this is the tool that was used, but all the characteristics of this part of the individual were consistent, again, with the characteristics of those two tools that were found at the scene, unquote. And she also said that the remains showed several false starts when Chandler was cutting them up. Additionally, a crime scene analyst testified about a bloody tarp found at the property where the authorities found Bart's body. Duct tape on this tarp contained fingerprints that matched Chandler. Investigators also walked the jury through a long digital trail of deception. In addition to his own email... Chandler owns several email accounts in the names of Aaron Hoover, Alyssa Brandt, and Daniel Spythe. He used these accounts to fake his employment and school records. He also had a burner phone for this. Yep. Ridiculous. That sounds about right. On the other side, the defense did not call any witnesses and Chandler opted not to testify, which makes sense because, first of all, he had a whole bunch of lies. Nobody was going to believe him. And second of all, the prosecutor would have murdered him. Like, yeah. figuratively, yeah. not literally. Yeah, the prosecutor would have shredded him. Oh, yeah, like, even, like, the worst prosecutor ever could have, like, just... Just poked, really like, a thousand holes yeah. into this. Yeah. Just gone to town. Instead of presenting witnesses, the defense argued that Chandler simply did not have a motive to kill his parents. They were like, yeah, he lied to them. However, it's not a motive. Kind of for the reasons I said of, like, that would be so stupid. But that's a very common motive for this. There's so many cases where, this is the grossest one I've ever read, but, like, there are a lot of these cases where adult children kill their parents because they lied about going to college. That is such a weird reason, but it so happens so frequently that's really sad. I know. It's like, just just go to college or, like, tell them the truth. Yeah, or just go get a job. Yeah. like know? And, like, don't go to college. I mean. Yeah, just do whatever makes you happy, but, like, don't murder your parents. Like, I don't even know. Like, it's just, the, it's just stupid. Yep. It's just the most ridiculous, stupid shit. 
Anyway, defense attorney Crystal Vera told the jury, quote, You were never told that they were going to kick him out of the house. You were never told that they were going to disown him. You were never told anything about why it matters. If this is going to be motive, if this is the reason you're intentionally killing someone, it better matter, unquote. They argued that authorities just couldn't figure out what happened to Bart and Crystal Halderson, so they decided to pin the murder on their son. Also, the defense attorney encouraged the jurors to not, like, just follow what the prosecution said and to try to think of alternatives to explain the evidence. Oh, so they're asking the jury to do her job for her. I guess. That part was wild to me. I was, like, reading the document, like, I'm sorry, what? Like, they should just, like, okay. Anyway, I would just like to remind everyone that there were bones in the household fireplace, dismemberment tools in his house, the cell phone records where he was where the bodies were, and this is like both of them, not just the one at his, his, his girlfriend's house, his fingerprint on the tape. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, there, there's like an absolute mountain of physical evidence. Yeah, it's like a whole lot. Like, I don't and even, circumstantial evidence. Yeah, I don't even know. This is just so much evidence. Like, it's just a yeah. lot. <laughs> and digital evidence. I mean, there's yeah. just... Like it's the, like every kind of evidence. Yeah, the, the prosecution has too much evidence. I know. It's almost <laughs> like they're like, I don't even know if we want to talk about all this. It's just so much. Like, the judge is like, we need three weeks just for the prosecution. So, I mean, like, everyone tuck in. Like, we're going to be here for a while. Yeah. It's like, we have all this. We just have so much. The emails and just, mm. it's just wild. Like, I have been obsessed with this case because just all of it, the scuba diving, the SpaceX thing, it's just, it's, it's. There's so many layers to it. I know, it's so many layers. And, like, part of it, it's really sad because, like, the beginning of it with all the lying is hilarious. Because to me, it's hilarious that this guy made up that he was going to work at SpaceX and he was on the scuba dive team. Like, I feel like this probably is why people started to get suspicious. Because, like, I know people who lie about things they do. We're not going to talk about who they specifically are. But I know some in real life who, like, make up stories about where they went to school and, like, what their hobbies and jobs are. And you just kind of accept it. You know, you're just kind of like, okay, cool, or whatever. You don't, I don't ever, like, call them out on it, because who cares? Like, if this person needs to lie and say that they are, like, president of Google to, like, feel good about themselves because their life is sad, then, I mean, okay. (laughs) Like, why do I care that you want to be pretend president of Google? Like, cool, (laughs) Like, good job at Google. <laughs> right. But I think that's just, that is how I live my life, everyone. Also, how I don't get murdered, turns out, apparently. Yeah. Like, apparently, they're just, like, out there waiting to murder people. But at the same time, I, I just kind of got the impression that a lot of people were like, wow, like, these are true, <laughs> these are true stories. Anyway, I don't know. Just the scuba diving one really got me. <laughs> that was where I was like, what? But okay. Maybe everyone else was, like, on board with it. So, as you can imagine, with all this evidence, despite the defense attorney's pleas that you just imagine other scenarios, like maybe aliens came and, like, roasted them. I don't know. Maybe the aliens came the whole time. It was aliens. Surprise. Aliens did it. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe there was, like, a secret serial killer that, like, I don't know, put Bart to sleep. And then, like, other people came in and murdered him. (laughs) Murdered the parents. Like, we don't know. Like, there's so many creative things you could say if you really wanted to imagine an alternative scenario that made no sense. Instead, the jury delivered for two hours, and then they convicted Chandler Halderson of all charges. Yep. Yeah, shock, surprise. I kind of spoiled it a little bit, and I'm sorry about that, but I feel like you knew where we were going. Yeah. Halderson did not react when the jury foreman said the word guilty. However, he later explained that his attorney had cautioned him not to show any emotions at all during the trial. Now, personally, I think the no emotions idea was an oopsie because his affect, like, this, people judged him based on that. Like, obviously, people were like, why does he have no emotions? But I did wonder if the only reason why this would make sense for the attorney to say this is if maybe he seems weird when he tries to emote, like, if his affect is wrong because maybe he's, like, not able to do this. Or, like, maybe he's a sociopath and he can't do that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Maybe the reason why he lies so much and murdered his parents and cut them up is because he's got some problems and he would have been over there like, oh, no, or, like, maybe smiling. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what he would have done that was worse than pretending he did not care, but, (laughs) but apparently maybe it was worse than that. Or maybe his his lawyer is just going for 
like I was a bad lawyer so he could get an appeal. I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. He's just, I'm going to be the worst lawyer I can possibly be. Or maybe the lawyer is just like, wow, this guy's a monster. I'm going to be the worst lawyer I can possibly be. <laughs> Leading up to his sentencing hearing in March 2022, Halderson petitioned the court to let him skip the hearing. Like, just not go to sentencing. And in his position, he asked to waive his right to appear. And the prosecution actually did not care about this. Um, at first, I thought they were opposing it. But then they were like, we don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say that. They said it in legal words. From there, um, so, uh, but the, the judge himself did not agree with this and believed that Halderson just wanted to avoid feeling uncomfortable as the court held him accountable for his crimes. And in the end, Chandler's motives really didn't matter, and the judge denied his request based on a legal precedent because the judge based this decision on the principle that, actually, let me go back. The prosecution did oppose this request. From their perspective, it seemed like Halderson just wanted to avoid feeling uncomfortable as the court held him accountable for his crimes. And in the end, Chandler's motives for not coming to sentencing did not matter because the judge denied his request based on legal precedent. The judge based this decision on the principle that Halderson could not waive his right to appear at the hearing even if he did it voluntarily because... Back in 1997, there was a woman who was convicted of a crime. And while she was waiting for sentencing, she ran off to, like, just avoid being sentenced. Oh, wow. She was just like, I'm going to be a fugitive instead. And while she was on the run, they just went ahead with her sentencing hearing because they were like, well, she's, like, she knows when the hearing is. She's purposely missing it. We'll just go ahead and do the hearing. And then whenever we find her, we'll just have her do the sentence. But when police eventually did track her down and apprehend her, the court actually ordered a resentencing because she missed the first hearing. And even though she'd chosen to miss it, based on the law, they decided that she was legally required to be there. So based on this precedent, Judge John Highland didn't want to risk Halderson winning a resentencing hearing in the future by saying that he didn't attend the hearing. So he required him to be there. And he could go by Zoom. That's the absurdity of it. He didn't even have to be in the courtroom. He just had to like be present in some way. In March 2022, a circuit, uh, circuit judge, John Highland, sentenced Halderson to life in prison without the chance of parole. Now, first degree intentional homicide actually carries a mandatory life sentence. But Judge Highland could decide to give him parole if he wanted to. But he decided not to give him parole. And the reason why is because he believed that Chandler posed a danger to the public because of how horrible the crime was. In addition to this life sentence, Halderson also received the maximum sentence for his other crimes, which was kind of a symbolic gesture since he's never getting out anyway. At the sentencing, the prosecutor, Andrea Raymond, pointed out that the Haldersons enjoyed or that Halderson himself enjoyed a very privileged life, which made his crimes all the more confusing because he really didn't have a lot of hardships. And again, his parents were like doting on him. So what in the hell? After his sentencing, authorities transferred Halderson to Dodge Correctional Institution in Waupun, Wisconsin. And this is a maximum security prison. However, Halderson immediately appealed his conviction. And on the day of his sentencing, he filed a notice of intent to pursue conviction post-conviction relief, which is basically a notice that he is appealing, but he hasn't actually sent the appeal in yet. And this reserves his right to appeal at a later time, but he has to get a lawyer first. And this lawyer will reveal his case, or review his case, to look for grounds to appeal. And he even made a statement after his sentencing, asking for his lawyers, or four lawyers who were interested in his case, to just help him out with his appeal. I'm sure he'll get a lot of takers. Yeah, because, like, this is what you want to work on. I'm assuming that he'll find grounds of maybe the lawyer thing. But who knows? Maybe I'm trashy. I feel bad for this defense attorney. Maybe the defense attorney was wonderful and, like, it's just a hard case. I mean, what do you do here? I mean, maybe she knew her client was a murderer and she's just trying to, like, do the bare minimum. Maybe. You know what I mean? Because she's like, this dude deserves to be in prison. I don't know, but don't regardless, know, we're not trying to disparage her. I mean, she had a tough job. I wouldn't want to do it. I'd be like, come on, man. <laughs> like, I mean, you got to do your best. But at the same time, like, this guy is just, this is just a wild fucking case. And I feel so bad for Mitchell. Like, this poor, this poor guy. And he's about to get married. 
He's yeah. got a fiance that's listed with him in the obituary. And I was like, this poor guy, like his parents are not going to be there. And his brother is not going to be there. Like that sucks. It sucks a lot. Like, I don't even know if I'd even want to do it anymore. Like, I feel like I would just want to go to like a lope or something. Like I wouldn't even want to have everybody there because it just fucking sucks. Yeah. That that's gotta be really hard. Yeah. I just can't imagine. I mean, I imagine a little bit because of my mom, but like, I can't imagine like this whole everything of this. It's yeah. just freaking terrible. But this case, I just feel like it's super captivating because of just the whole layers of everything and the lying and the ridiculousness. And then, like, you already you already realize, like, as you're, like, looking at the events spread out, once he reports them missing, you're like, oh, my God, I think he killed his parents. But then, like, you find out what happened. And you're like, why, though? Like, why would you do this? Why, Chandler? Like, you need to explain to people what the hell. Yep. Like, why did you do this? messed up and then also to the phone in the shoe and then he texted himself with it so did the alien slash secret murderer come back and text you from your mom's phone in your shoe really that's what happened anyway i'm sorry i feel like he's gonna have a hard time pretending that he didn't do this yep but okay well i hope that everyone listening thought this case was very compelling i personally did i am obsessed with it and i wrote most of this in the car on the way to dallas to see our uh niece's birthday and she's awesome. Her birthday is actually Wednesday mm-hmm. of this week, right before the show comes out. So happy birthday, Cece. And although she won't hear this because she's way too little to you. <laughs> she's way too little <laughs> to be listening <laughs> to this podcast. Although maybe, who knows. But um, yeah, so it's Baby Shark themed. So we are now, we cannot stop singing Baby Shark. So that's happening. That's right. And um, although we have substituted the words um, to some of this, some of it, and we were seeing <laughs> Asshole Shark at one point, because why not? Like, no one can stop us. We're adults. We do whatever we want. That's right. And also Sexy Shark. That's yep, right. There's a Sexy Shark. Mm-hmm. We added that one. That was just for us. But anyway, so if you would like to comment on this or send us some notes, you can send that to our Gmail at badaxpod at gmail.com. And then also you can follow us on social media at Bad Axe Pod, where I think we're on everything. And we sometimes post there. I'm trying to be better, but I have been saying that for like, since my mom passed away and I haven't been doing it. So hopefully it's going to be this week, maybe. We, it could happen. And so look for us there. And then also we have a Patreon, which I almost forgot to tell you about. Patreon.com backslash Bad Pod. There's a link in our show notes, so that's easy. You can get a membership and they start at a dollar. We have a bunch of different content over there. If you like our content, we have like a lot of mini episodes and bonus episodes and extra stuff and some like current, like current event, recent crimes stuff. Like there's a lot of options over there to listen to. It's pretty cool. And I also try to get really good cases for the Patreon. So dun dun dun. A lot of good content I know. over there. And I know from, I really try really hard to get cases that a lot of people haven't done already and I know for me personally, I get so sad when I like like a podcast and then I scroll through their cases and I know like every single story. So I feel like at least on our Patreon, it's very unlikely that you'll know a lot of the stories. So that is an incentive, I guess, to go over there. And then we also have a website. Aaron, would you like to tell them? Uh, our website is badaxpod.com. It's an excellent website. Please go check it out. It's like a standard website, but it's, it's still cool. It's the best website on the entire internet. Aaron is a hype man for my stuff. All right. Well, we hope that you had a nice time listening to this. I mean, I guess I don't even know if that's a thing when it's this. But we hope that you were interested, at least. And that you're having a great day. And that wherever you are is having springtime. Unlike Houston, which has decided to be hot. Which sucks, but it is what it is. And also, we'll see you very soon. Bye-bye. Bye.